right, everybody. Welcome to the 272nd edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Sage chilling here live and direct in a very, very dark and cloudy day in PDX. And we are about to talk about somebody who has a potential to light up the scoreboard in Johnny Davis. How are you doing, my man? And how did you enjoy the Johnny Davis experience? This is, I believe, our fifth Future Friday. And it's always tough when you are scouting a prospect because clearly we're picking games where they perform at least above average. So you don't really see the the negativity or the weaknesses in certain players. So you kind of have to project to what those might be, but you also come away with a lot of recency bias. However, looking back when, when I watch these, these videos, I'm still super high on Jabari Smith. Like I go and I continue to watch him play. I still see the intrigue in, in Chet Holmgren. I'm still not super sold on Paolo Banchero. I'm intrigued by by Jaden Ivy as well. So I think you know, we've been doing these for over a month now. That's a really good sample size. Like that, that's a good longevity where I'm still going back to these players and wanting to learn more because of what I've seen. Johnny Davis was was really no different, and he is, I think, a, a throwback in some some aspects you're looking at a player who is a guard at the university of wisconsin 6'5 196 pounds he is 19 years old he will be 20 um, at the time of the draft he was what they call a late bloomer um so to speak in in the the recruiting industry you know, a lot of these players we're looking at were five stars, maybe Gatorade players of the year. Uh, he was a solid prospect, but I, I think you would be lying if you said he was going to be a top five or six draft pick when he was coming out of high school. I mean, he was a four-star player by rivals, the 134th best player nationally, and he chose um, Wisconsin over, you know, some, some mid-tier schools. Like he didn't have a crazy offer list. Like he chose them over Iowa, Minnesota, Green Bay, Milwaukee, DePaul. So he really only had the, that upper Midwest interested in, in his services to come play basketball. And he's really proved them all wrong. Um, he's got a really good connection uh, with his family, mother, Sarah, father, Mark played 31 games with the Milwaukee bucks in 1989. He was selected in the fourth round of the 85 draft by the Cavaliers. Uh, it's, he's got a unique, uh, family situation. His twin brother, Jordan is currently a teammate on the Wisconsin Badgers. And he also has two younger twin siblings, a brother, Maxwell and a sister, Samantha. So that's an interesting dynamic, two sets of twins, the set of twins actually playing together, um, he's already racking up the accolades. He's a, he's a mid-season All-American. He was the, the Maui Invitational MVP. That's one of the games we are going to discuss. It was the semifinal uh, against the Houston Cougars, who was a top 10 team at the time. That game took place on the 23rd of November. And this past summer, he took gold for the, the, um, the USA Basketball uh, FIBA U19 competition. So you're looking at a player who has just kind of had a, a really nice meteoric rise and you see the progression and the 
the potential is really starting to come to life, uh, Sage. What what did you like uh, about Johnny Davis? There there was a lot to like. Like I, you mentioned Eric Gordon, or somebody compared him to Eric Gordon. And I was like, that couldn't be further from the truth. Like I went into that not wanting to like him, and I came out. He's one of my favorite prospects in this entire class. Nice. Yeah, I, I think that he's a nice mix of old school and the modern NBA. Um, I think the number one thing that he is, is that off ball mover type of basketball player that every team needs to have a guy that can shoot off pin downs and just make life easier for that, that lead playmaker. I don't, I don't really see him being that lead playmaker, but he, he, in his role as that off ball mover, you see the skills like the thing that I want from Johnny Davis is to shoot more because he was passing off some very makeable shootable shots. You can tell that he is very comfortable with pull-up jumpers and like when the defense attacks him at the three point line, he'll, he'll dribble and take that mid range or score on many different ways. His bag as an off ball mover is just really high so the, the offensive potential in him is super duper high. I, I, I think that if if a team is looking for a guy that can pair with their lead playmaker for 10 years, Johnny Davis is that guy. Yeah, and he plays for a really talented Wisconsin Badger basketball team. They're currently uh, 17 and four on the year, ranked 11th in both the coaches and AP polls. His numbers have been uh, astounding, definitely backing up his midseason All-American uh, accolade. You're looking at 21.4 points. He's shooting almost 35% from three, 43% from the field, 78% at the line. You're right. He's not the best playmaker at 2.4 assists per game. However, for a guard, he rebounds the shit out of oh, the yeah. basketball. He, he's, is he bouncy or just smart and strong? I don't he, know if he's like, you know, like Nasir he's Little got, bouncing. He's got a lot of intelligence. I mean, yeah. you, you have to know where the ball's coming off that rim. I mean, he's grabbing 8.3 boards as a guard in college. Uh, he's a playing, stocks monster, too. Playing 34.8 minutes per game. His player efficiency rating is extremely high at 26.3. And... You know, watching that game against Houston, you you mentioned, I think that's the first thing that jumped out at me was how well he moved off ball. Like in in that Houston game, plays 37 minutes, 30 points, 10 of 18 from the field, four of seven from downtown, four rebounds and four steals and two blocks. Like I, I thought he was not only... I think you kind of get like a stereotype when you look at a shooter and that that's all they're going to do there were two things that immediately jumped out at me. It was one where he was just finding the spots on the floor and his teammates were looking for him and he was just a knockdown shooter. So his Mm -hmm. off ball movement is, is very cerebral. Like he knows where to go. He knows where his teammates like him, but he also has an incredible basketball IQ and he has good length for his position Um, on the opening possession. He used his length to deflect an entry pass and then he had another one about three minutes later. He then blocked uh, uh, Tajay Moore's uh, post up and just sent it right back into his face. And he's doing that all while being guarded by Moore, who the announcers touted as Houston's top on-ball defender. He was really making life difficult for um, 
Moore and the Cougars, especially early on. I think Wisconsin jumped out to damn near a 20-point lead, and it was really all on the back of, of Davis, who was getting it done on, on both ends of the floor. And what, what I really love about players like Davis is he's not doing it with the ball in his hands. I mean, we talked about the the attempts, but I just felt like when Johnny Davis had the ball, he kind of was looking to playmake a little too much. Like, if you have that shooting ability, and I think that three-point percentage is low, if he has that ability to be a triple threat in terms of shooting, he needs to shoot the ball more. I don't really know about his catch-and-shoot game, really. He's mostly using the dribble to make his shots. I need to know what he is off off the catch. We we see the abilities. It's just it isn't enough. He needs to shoot it, shoot it, just like some other uh you know players that we talk about. They need to actually shoot it so we have a bigger sample size than just seven shots in a game. We need to really see it. I was really impressed by his help defense just as much as his on-ball defense because you saw him in perfect position using both hands to defend the uh, the opposing team off the help. Like, you don't really see somebody have the intelligence to be an on-ball and off-ball defender. Like, if he became a Blazer, he would be our best defender coming into the, the, the season in his rookie year just because of how he helps at the nail, how he helps on drives, how he plays on-ball defense on the toughest player on the opposing team. He has a lot of utility that can help a team early in his career and especially late in his career once he develops those, like, counters to people trying to stop him off the bounce or trying to stop him, you know, getting to his spots. I I really like the way that he plays the game. He he also has the athleticism to be an above-the-rim athlete, not like the best in the world, but he can get the job done when he has the space. I don't think that he will actually be that guy that can get to the rim on his own. He's going to need that ball screen. But once you give him the ball screen, he can create some really awesome stuff. So I don't see him as the, like a pure isolation player. Like I see the comp for Brandon Roy. I, I Brandon Roy didn't need that screen. Johnny Davis needs that screen to get to the cup. And when he gets to the cup, he finishes hard. Yeah, I don't see hardly any Brandon Roy in, in Johnny Davis's game, aside from maybe the size. Uh, Brandon Roy had the ball in his hands, and he was creating off of the dribble. Johnny Davis, he's going to move without the ball. He can get to his spots, and I saw him, you know, one dribble pull up. I saw him, you know, do the Dirk one-legged fadeaway. He was scoring off of the off the off the bounce, which was great. But it wasn't. I don't think he has a go-to NBA move at this point in his career. Um, it's not a super quick first step. And I, I don't think he's able to consistently shake his, his defender, but that's, that's okay. I think when you're talking about roster construction, you almost need players who, who don't, who don't need the ball. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially like, for the Blazers. I mean, who are some of the most coveted shooting guards in the league right now? Clay Thompson and Desmond Bain. What do they do? They, they play defense and they move without the ball. They also play with point guards who need the ball in their hands. Like, I think when I look at prospects now, it's more like that can almost be seen as a bonus because players who were able to score so effectively and efficiently without uh, dribbling the basketball is a, is a huge rarity. Mm-hmm. And you're able to then put people who need the ball in their hands around them because scoring with the ball in your hands is 
as crazy as it seems, it's not super rare or we have three of them. Yeah. It's not what it used to be. A lot of players are growing up and they're, they're being taught how to play this way. So the players like, like a uh, Johnny Davis, who I even thought was trying to show off a bit of a post-up game. They, he was trying to post up his defender, but they never got the entry pass into him. If he's able to get a nice uh, post-up game where you can just dump it into him, um, a la Steve Smith on the Blazers, uh, J.R. Ryder, um, even the Wesley Matthews, when we really targeted James Harden in that, that Houston series, that is a huge asset when you've got a 6'5 big guard with, with some length you're going to create problems when everyone else is trying to roll out, you know, six, two, six, one combo guards uh, in the backcourt. Like you can punish them. And he's got the, I think he's got the overall IQ and just cerebral nature of his game to hold his own defensively, but punish these smaller guards that the NBA is going towards. Like, I think in today's NBA, people will want to move him to the three. No, keep him at the two, let him use his size. And I think he's going to uh, really, uh, pay dividends for whichever team is fortunate enough to, to pick him up. I, I think that he can play the three in spurts, but he is a natural two. I like if you're playing shit, who has a, who has, who has a guy that's six, six, that's like a two or a three, like, um, Mikhail Bridges, maybe I wouldn't feel awful about putting, uh, Johnny Davis on bridges in spurts. I mean, like bridges, isn't going to kill you regardless if Johnny Davis is on the squad, he's guarding one of the two guards, but like you don't, I don't feel bad about putting Johnny Davis on a, like a six, five, six, six wing. So in spurts, I can see it, especially since <clears throat> he has that underrated strength to his game. You absolutely can see that he is just a strong, well-built athlete. He's not going to get pushed around easily against, against NBA wings that, you know, they're not, it's not like a power game anymore. It's more finesse. So I could see him, especially with that strength, guarding threes. I mean, I think you're already starting to see the change of, of power or the change of balance in the league with what Cleveland is doing and finding those, those freak athletes like, like an Evan Mobley who's able to play the four because you can have Jared Allen the five and now they were playing marketing at the three like it was small ball. And I think you're starting to see the success that Cleveland's having. It's in the early stages of moving uh, towards uh, size, but you also have to have the speed, length, agility, and quickness. And then Evan's just such a unicorn with his skill. Like you got to so, have that skill if you're going to be super big. And I think Davis, because of his unique skill set, is in a way a unicorn as well, because there are so few players at what, what he does that you can have some size at the two. And maybe it's because we're, you know, nine, 10 years into having a smaller backcourt and a couple years into playing a three guard lineup where you're consistently undersized every night. And it has been 30 years since this team's made the finals and they did it on the, on the, on the backs of a really well-balanced big lineup. You know, when you, ha- when you're looking at your, your wings as six, seven Drexler and a six, nine Kersey, I want to replicate that. I know Davis may not be as tall as Drexler, but he's, he's damn close. He's one of the, he would be one of the bigger uh, two guards and you know Dame has really good size as a one, like it's time to kind of shift what we were doing and, and really try to become trailblazers in, in the sense of let's change the narrative. We don't need to play this small ball that we're, we're not suited to do. And I think the, the, the reason the warriors were allowed to kind of operate under the small ball mantra was, 
Draymond Green. We, we don't have Draymond, but they were also large. Like Clay Thompson is a large shooting guard. Iguodala is a large, small forward. Like they have size. Just you have that unicorn in Draymond that allowed them to do that. So I think it's important to try to not copy what, what teams have found in success, but also look at elements at what they're doing and seeing how you can implement together and create your own identity and your own uh, calling card. And I think Johnny Davis just really checks off all of the the, the boxes for, for me when I watched him. And yes, he doesn't have a go-to NBA move, but when Houston was making that run in the second half, that's where I saw that flash of brilliance kind of take over. Um, he really took over that game late when Houston was pushing. Uh, he got to the free throw line and then he did a steal and score on the next defensive possession, hit a couple of open jumpers and just kind of derailed anything that, that Houston really had going on. And when you're able to have two way players, and I think that's kind of been the, the theme that I'm looking for when you're picking in the lottery, like Portland is at a point right now where we're not one or two players away where we can look at a specialist. You need to start building a roster full of two-way players that they give you the same effort on offense as they do on the defensive end. And I really noticed that with Davis. Um, I think he's going to be a, I think he'd be a Robert Covington type of defender where he's really good uh, in the passing lanes. Like he, he just feels like he has, he has a good anticipation for the game. Clearly, you have to have a good anticipation if you're averaging over eight rebounds a game as a guard. And what did you always say, Sage? You could tell our guards were engaged and into it when they were rebounding the basketball. That's what they did in that Denver series. I distinctly recall you calling out CJ McCollum for how well he was getting in there and rebounding the basketball. When guards can rebound and then handle the ball on the break, I mean, it just sets up for so many easy baskets. I was watching the Grizzlies and, and Knicks last night, and they were talking about, you know, the Knicks having to, to, to play grinded out basketball for 48 minutes. And you you just can't grind out every single possession. It's exhausting. You have to find a way to get easy buckets. Players like Johnny Davis, whether it's catch and shoot threes, off of movement, steals, deflections, they open the floor up for easy buckets. Like I think he is so valuable to me, Sage. He fits in with every single system in the NBA. Depending on how successful his career is, is his shot making ability. Because, I mean, he's never going to generate easy buckets for anybody else, but he makes pretty damn tough buckets. And shot creating is shot creating. The ability for him to create his own shot is and make it is going to be the difference between him hitting the low outcome and hitting the high outcome in his, you know, in his, in his career. So he's a very interesting prospect. He fits with everybody. So the, obviously the fit is he would be probably the second best fit for the Blazers thus far, Jabari being one, him being two. Yeah, I think he's the best fit in, in the backcourt. And, and I, I cheated a little bit. Like after I watched that game, I got excited and I knew he had a big game, a big matchup with, with Purdue, Purdue and Jaden Ivy. So I, I caught those highlights, um, Ivy and Davis going back and forth. Davis finished with 37 in a road victory. And he showed me more in, in his bag that game, a little bit more off of the bounce, you know, stop starts, um, one, two dribbles using his size to just rise up and pull up over defenders, which I think is totally realistic to assume that he is going to be able to do that at the next level. Anytime you have size 
and you can just one dribble, one move, pull up. Like it's not going to be CJ where he's undersized. So he has to go to one, two, three counter moves to get enough space. Davis's size allows him to just create just a little bit of a little bit of uh, space and, and go up to get get that shot off. So you're already seeing Davis um, continue to progress in in his skill set. It's not just what we saw in November. He's leading the way for this Wisconsin team. And I have to be honest, this Wisconsin team did not look super talented. It was really Davis. If they win the the uh, March Madness. It's because Johnny Davis scored enough for them to win games. I don't see another shot creator on that team. It's all Johnny Davis. If if he if he gets that huge rise, it's because he's just dominating in March Madness. What every scout every scout is watching him play. And I, I think what what he could work on right away is just a little bit quicker on, on the release. Um, I noticed that there was in the in the late in the first half that there was two times where he hesitated twice on the same possession mm-hmm. on an open three. He ended up putting on he the needs floor to just pull that shit and forcing a mid range. Absolutely. Just just catch and shoot, lock and load, uh, let it go. But when you were talking about players with like low processing speed, I thought the exact opposite with John mm-hmm. Davis. I was like, this is a player who has high processing speed. I think he sees the game one to two steps ahead. I think that's what all of the the greats do, whether it's, you know, a Draymond Green, Brandon Roy, a Dame Lillard, whatever it is, like he just knows where to go. You can see that in his rebounding. You can see that in his deflections on defense. You can see that in his movements off of the ball and where he's finding those open spaces. Um, I mean, I I think he's he's just going to be a, a, I don't know how high the ceiling is, the floor is so high though. Like I think he is already an NBA level player. Like you could put him right now and he's going to perform better than most players off of the bench. And he's mm-hmm. only going to get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So what is your 25% comp? I do 50. I thought we were just doing 50, 75 and 99. So that's all I've been doing. Whatever. What's your, what's your lower comp? I don't care. The, the lower comp, Um, you know, watching him, it just reminds me of, a better shooting Evan Turner. So Evan Turner was the national, this is Evan Turner at Ohio state, by the way. So Evan Turner was the national player of the year at Ohio state, the the number two player. And he was a a guard who played good defense. He rebounded the basketball, um, wasn't really able to shake by his defender. And that's kind of what caught him at the next levels because he didn't have that jump shot and he didn't have that speed to, to get by the defender. But I think just a, a, just, not a knockdown shooter, but just a better shooting Evan Turner, where he's going to be in the league 10 years. He may be your fifth starter. He may come in off the bench, but he's going to kind of be at least a glue guy, very smart player. Um, so that's kind of where I thought at for his, his low end comp. I think it's Norman Powell when he's properly motivated, because this year Norman's not the player that he should be, but like under stats, under stats or under a, Nick Nurse, you saw the the ability to be that three-way shooter where it's catch off the bounce and then movement. I mean, Johnny's probably going to get more rebounds and <clears throat> better stocks, uh, stocks guy, but I, I mean, like, the, the player type is pretty obvious. It's those bigger guards that do multiple things on the court. Yes. Um, my My mid... Comparison is Steve Smith. 
Um, you you look at a player in Atlanta, in Miami, uh, early Steve Smith, where knockdown shooter, not the quickest, but he knew how to use his body. He was a big guard. And I, when he was posting up, I was like, that's what Smitty used to do. Smitty punished Jeff Hornacek in, in those playoffs. He punished Kobe Bryant in those playoffs. Like he, he knew how to use his body. He was very cerebral. He lasted in the league a long time. He peaked out at, you know, a one to two time all-star um, but he was always a consistent player. You could count on him. That's really where I see his his mid level comp uh, at is a, a Steve Smith. And I think if if he just hits that, that's worthy of, of a top six pick. We could see a Desmond Bain that's probably a less developed playmaker. But you see that like every other stat other than playmaking, Johnny Davis is very similar to to Des. With the TCU team, he had to run. He was the secondary playmaker, and the Grizzlies put like an onus to develop the playmaking. If a smart team does that with with Johnny, that you could definitely see Johnny Davis in that Desmond Bain role. With John ja Morant, Desmond Bain is really, really a good fit. You could see the same thing with a dominant point guard. Johnny Davis is that guy that does the things that help him, you know, reach that optimal level. Like if I, I know that the Hornets have a guy in book night, but like Johnny Davis could be that off ball mover for, for a, 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 a LaMelo ball. Yeah. I think Desmond Bain is a really nice comp. By 99th percentile, if Davis hits the ceiling, it's Clay Thompson. Yeah. I mean, that's that's mine too. It, it's, and that's the player that I've coveted the most to play alongside of uh, Portland's point guard. And he's going to have to get a quicker release. He's going to have to become a more accurate shooter because Clay is arguably a top two or three shooter of all time. And Clay plays really good cerebral defense. Clay doesn't really honestly have an NBA go-to move, but he just knows where to go on the floor. And he doesn't miss if he even has an ounce of, of space. So if you're able to find a potential Clay Thompson, you take that chance any single time. And that's why the losses are good. Keep losing. Give yourself a chance to draft one of these players that we've been talking about because Portland desperately needs an influx in overall talent. I mean, the the this I, I legitimately think he has a, a, a shot. Like of all of the players we've talked about, you know, 99th percentile, like I feel really good about Jabari and Johnny Davis potentially getting to their 99th percentile. Just feeling, uh, knowing how the game comes to them, um, the skill sets they already have, um, just a fantastic prospect, like easily one of my favorites in, in the draft just because of how unique he is in, in today's NBA landscape. Like 20 years ago, these players were, I wouldn't say all the rage, but they were definitely more common you know, th- than they are now. And anytime you can throw a change up when every other NBA team's just working the fastball, you're going to catch them off guard and they're not going to have an answer. And that's going to provide the franchise with so many um, opportunities and advantages. I think that his shot creation now is better than Clay could, Clay could ever do. He's better than Clay. I mean, I watched Clay at Washington State and – to be to be honest, I didn't see Clay becoming this great in the NBA, but he's he's you much know, where, better. Where you get drafted is really important, man. 
where he is at right now is two to three tiers above where Clay Thompson was at Washington State. So if he gets to the right system, the right fit, I mean, you're looking at what Desmond Bain is doing right now in Memphis, playing alongside John Morant, getting a lot of playing time early, allowed allowed to play through those mistakes, similar to what Clay was able to do. You know, that they moved off of Monte Ellis. Uh, they knew that they needed to let Clay Thompson play next to Steph Curry and not try to force a square peg into a round hole. And he was able to play and work through some mistakes. So I think Portland, whoever they draft, going to have to let them find the fit and make room for them and let them play through mistakes because, you know, comparisons have shown that throughout history, if, if you do these players, that's how they hit, you know, they don't just magically become good. Like you have to, there's a, there's a formula and, and they have, they did it with Dame. They let Dame work through his mistakes. There was no other point guard on the roster that had any chance of surpassing him or getting, you know, Dame was going to get benched in, in place of, there was no controversy, none of that. You have to let these players play with a clear mind and, and a freedom that allows them to, you know, reach their ceilings. If we're fortunate enough to get Johnny Davis, Norman's gone, CJ's gone. We we have to give those those minutes to our younger guards. Like Norman's Ant. gone, CJ's gone, and either Dame or Ant is gone. Yeah, because that that's just the you have to once you have the Portland has four guards. They need they need to get rid of three of them because they all friggin do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you keep one, you find the two that fits, and then you use the others to really enhance the rest of the roster. Um, that that's that that's my take on it, and I think yeah, Davis is I think the best two of of the bunch that Portland would have currently. So, is, where is Johnny Davis placed on your uh, your top five talents thus far? Just personally, I think Jabari Smith is still number one. I would say I haven't decided between Davis or Ivy, so they're probably tied at two. I would then put Chet at four and uh, Banchero uh, still at five for me, just because of, um, I think he's going to be really talented, but again, we, we discussed him. I think he's like Carmelo and I don't know if you can build around a Carmelo Anthony, even in his prime type of player. So um, I don't think he's necessarily what Portland needs. Now, if Portland gets him, obviously I'm going to be thrilled. He's still a high end talent, but the other players, I feel like give Portland more two-way potential. I think I would go Jabari, uh, Chet, just for the high-end, high, high, high-end outcome that may or may not happen. Probably it won't happen. Bonchero, uh, I think Davis, Ivy, and then uh, my my six guys, AJ Griffin. So those would be my big, the top six. Those were who I would want the Blazers to to draft. I don't want Keegan Murray. I don't want any of those other players. Those would be my top six. All right. Um, we will be back next week with the Arizona guys, and then I want I want to talk about my guy AJ Griffin after that. So thank you so much for listening. We will be back Sunday for a uh, normal holy backboard, and we are out of here. <laughs>